I mean, these are the things that I think about. Good morning, good afternoon, wherever you may be, and welcome to It's So Real. With your boy O. And your girl Rocky. What's good, beautiful people? <laughs> what is up? We want to wish all the fathers out there a happy Father's Day. This is June 16th, yes, 2019. Yes. Happy yeah. Father's Day to all the men who are being fathers to their children. Like, I don't understand... How that isn't, but I I want to be a parent. So I mean, the way I put it, and I I said this on uh the CurtisKingTV.com Discord. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, shout out to my family out there. Um, I said a uh, happy Father's Day to all those who are uh, fathers, either biologically mm-hmm. or who are just male, uh, positive masculine role models. Definitely, and that's it. That's what For it is. Sure. That's what it's about. It's a celebration of those who are representative of that masculine mm-hmm. side of, of society who uplift and encourage the mm-hmm. youth, mm-hmm. encourage those of the next generation. And that's what Father's Day is about, to me. For sure. Uh, Father's Day always looked that way. And I definitely want to give it up for that, for the mentors in our community. We definitely need that. Mm-hmm. I will say, I think fatherhood like if you're actually a father it's different than a mentor and just the capacity and energy I say mentor, I say role model oh <laughs> okay role model yeah but, i mean like if you're playing that role and you dedicated yeah yeah to, then for sure a, happy father's day that's why i said it because it was inclusive because i didn't want to put it into like the biological box because you know so yeah play. stepdads mm-hmm. adoptive dads yep. just you, they don't even call you dad, but you act like a dad, you know, those or a the, father, those the, you those know. Are fa- those are the yeah, fathers we're talking yeah. about. Yeah. So happy Father's Day to all of all them. All those people. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. Um, but today we are actually celebrating Juneteenth. Mm-hmm. So Juneteenth falls on June 19th, and it's June 16th, but everybody is having celebrations um, this weekend. So like SF had their Juneteenth festival yesterday and Berkeley has their Juneteenth festival today. So we'll be going to that. So we wanted to use today's episode to celebrate Juneteenth. Mm -hmm. And that's why we titled today's episode as what's free. Right. And with this episode, we wanted to discuss how far we as black Americans have come and how far we have to go. So with that, I think we need to give a little history. You know, a lot of people know of it, but a lot of people still don't. So let's let's yeah. give a little history first. So Juneteenth was the proclaimed holiday starting on June 19th, 1865. Mm-hmm. And the significance of that day is that that is when the last slaves in Texas were told, I believe by the Union Army, the Yankees, um, that they were free. Right. It's like it's when the news finally got to them. Right. Now, because those, I don't even know what to call them. Col- colonizers, mm-hmm. slave owners. Mm-hmm. Even though they knew, they even knew. though they knew that Civil War was over. They knew they like, lost. Emancipation Proclamation. They knew, they knew was about everything. Signs. They still 
were keeping slaves. Yeah. And didn't tell them. So, yes. So, Emancipation Proclamation um, was signed by President Abraham Lincoln January 1st of 1863. So, for two years, there was, there was enslaved Africans still in slavery in Texas. Um, I don't know to the extent of where it was in the middle, like Alabama and Georgia and stuff like that, Mississippi. But um, Texas was like the last slave state on that side, you know, extending to the West. So it took that long for the news to get there, naturally, without the, depending on the slave owners. So that's when our descendants... Or no, we're descendants. Our ancestors. Our ancestors. Yeah. <laughs> um, the Africans that were shipped to the Americas and enslaved in, in the United States of America. It's when they got the legality. Right. Officially uh, from the government. Officially from the government that they were free. Mm-hmm. Entirely. Well... We'll talk about that. Yeah. But <laughs> we go <gonna> get you. <laughs> <laughs> but um but you know, to to the point that there wasn't chattel slavery still happening. Right. In the way that it was. So that being said, all right, so we we get this our ancestors get this freedom, mm-hmm. right? Oh my gosh, you're free. Yay. So, I'm sure that's exactly how they said. Nah, man, I'd have been gone. We was like, like, oh, we would have been getting I'm trying not to clap too hard so we don't quit. <laughs> we would have been getting like, hey. it. Hey. Okay. We'd have been out there. Well, like. I would have, my ancestors are runaways. I know this. I got too much of the revolutionary spirit to be like, Oh, I'm going to just wait till they say I'm good. And I'm like, I'm out, bitch. Well, leave the charge. Harry Tubman type shit. Yeah. I wouldn't even. Hey, we need to get, by the way, <laughs> side note, put Harry in on the $20 bill. God you know it. we are not getting her on a $20 bill until this fool get out of presidency. No, that's what we're getting at. 2020, baby. Mm-hmm. That's another story. <laughs> but, um. So, yeah, we get this freedom. So, we get this freedom. Wow. And, and then. Celebrate. What? So. A lot of the books that I read, because when I was a teenager, I was constantly reading books about slavery just because I saw the strength of our ancestors in that. I saw our collectivism. I saw our traditions. I saw our power and our beauty. So that's what I was drawing from. So I was constantly reading them. Um, And what I saw in the books, and even though most of them are fiction, but some of them are historical fiction, um, it was this concept of freedom costs. Because, you know, a lot of the books, it was about runaway slaves, you know. I guess they can't just end there. That wouldn't be for a good story. I, I feel you. But, um, but yeah, it was this concept of freedom cost. And in that, what we mean by that is what were the consequences of freedom then? So what would you say the consequences of freedom are? So after they've gotten their freedom. Legally. Legally. What are the things that the slave, former slaves, had to deal with? Yes. The, the newly freed slaves. Right. So, you got to think about it. <laughs> and I don't know why people don't look at it this way. Yeah. This is really a big case for um, why so many people are fighting strongly for reparations is because mm-hmm. if you really look at it, 
the amount of trauma, uh, trauma, and the head start that white people have had because of slavery is no ridiculous. trauma we had and head start they had. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. There you go. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> uh, so basically, you're the newly free, uh, newly freed slave, and you have what? Exactly. <laughs> Basically, you have those who are around you, who are slaves around you. You have their resources, former slaves. Um, so remember, we did have skills. So we had a lot of skills. Yeah. But we didn't know anything about the... How to live in their world? Yeah, the, the <laughs> actual economy. We were locked out of everything. So you got to think about it. A lot of the things that were even valued at that time, we were still being taken for granted. Uh Taking advantage of rather. Even though I will, there w- there was some free blacks living during the time before the Emancipation mm-hmm. Proclamation. Before yeah, those who escaped to the north too. Those as well, but there was also free blacks in the south, um, and there were also some slaves who worked for their freedom. So there was mm-hmm. like, you would hear like stories of carpenters or somebody with a skill that was able to work for their freedom. Um, so there were some of those. So there were a little couple of people living within the society, but as a whole. Right, but it, yeah, as a whole, it's very difficult mm-hmm. because it's like um, you've also been brainwashed. You don't know who to trust. Jesus, you, but it's like it's a lot of confusion. That whole Infinity War thing, like boom, shit, man, what the fuck do we do? <laughs> That's the only comparison that I can think of. I realize it's not a good one, but I think of the alternative, saying, you know? Right. It's like all of a sudden a, a drastic change happens yeah. and you have to live in that world. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Thank you for the <laughs> nicer analogy. I got you. I got you. <laughs> Teamwork. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, like honestly, I'm, and this is the things that a lot of us don't want to talk about is that, yes, even though we was getting the scraps of their food and it wasn't shit, we were given food. Like, yes, we were able to have some gardens and and stuff. And like we were, you know, tending to the land and and stuff like that. But that wasn't our land. Right. You know, so now we're out of land to grow any food that we have. Mm -hmm. We weren't getting the scraps that they were giving us. Okay. And then where the fuck are we going to live? Because, again, we don't have land. We don't have property. Right. You have to really think about it. You know, the societies, when we talk about like the Black Wall Streets and all those things that were developed, they really developed from, from nothing. nothing. Like, and, you weren't giving shit. And were getting attacked. And, mm-hmm. uh, and the, like, the racism didn't stop at all. You could, it's, it's still here right now. Exactly. So, like, so, this was a very rough period for them. Mm-hmm. So, although it was a time. And this of was a period called Reconstruction. Right. Because you literally reconstruct the country. <laughs> It was a great good time to be like again celebratory for the freedom and everything else like mm-hmm. that. But at the same time, you realize the the inequalities just from you coming from that slave position and having to work fifty times as hard mm-hmm. to to have something reputable and and and, uh, and, and established, you know, exactly. as an organization from from former slaves, you know, mm-hmm. and the amazing thing about it is we did it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, we did, did it. it over and over again, baby. We are powerful. We are magical. We are divine. <sighs> Let's shout out to the HBCUs that were definitely helping. Yes. Because 
Hampton was founded 1868. 1868. Howard was 1867. What's the oldest? I think it's Cheney. Cheney was like 30s, I think. Damn, for real? Yeah, something like, no, no, no. Maybe not. I forget. I, I forget. But I um, <laughs> it was it was some old, uh, oldest HBCU. Let's see. I don't know why I didn't spell it right. <laughs> um, Cheney University of Pennsylvania. Okay. You didn't have to disclose that. Nobody saw that. <laughs> <laughs> now we know though. <laughs> I don't care. I keep it real. <laughs> I'm high, y'all. Whatever. Um. So yeah, it was founded in 1837. So yeah, that's. I'm sorry. I know it's an interesting fact, but now I'm just laughing. <laughs> Whatever. Anyways. So yeah, I, I definitely think, oh, you know, man. that was that was helpful. <laughs> and like Hampton unfortunately was founded by a white guy, but not all the HBCs were. They were founded by black people. So I don't know which I mean, ones. I don't really give a damn. Exactly. Like if you was with it Thank at that you. time, that's great. Right. <laughs> at that time? Seriously. <laughs> not that Hampton didn't have a shit. Cause it did. But if you were a white person who was really on that side and you saw like what was going on, well, kudos to you. I, I would have been if I was white. God forbid. But I would have been the like um, the Underground Railroad that would have been happening. Mm-hmm. You know. So thank, thankful to them, but you know, um, we didn't put ourselves in this, so I don't. That's what you should have been doing, like without thanks. Yeah. <laughs> so. But like I said, we we went through all that and, mm-hmm. and, and came out on top in a lot exactly. of situations. Exactly. Um. But there were other things we had to do with as well when it came to housing and a whole bunch of other things. Mm-hmm. And then like the biggest thing that was holding us back, so the um segregation, like yeah. It was blacks were not allowed access to white stuff, but segregation really started happening once we all got free. Because it was like, okay, sure, let's not treat you like cows, but I still don't want you in my face. Right. I still don't want to have to deal with you. Ew, you're dirty. You're nasty. I don't want to have to deal with you. Still racism. <laughs> mm-hmm. So segregation started really being enforced. And then think about... and. So the first Great Migration, they say it was from 1916 to 1940, and it was about 1.6 million people to um, northern industrial cities. They say it was that time frame. But if you're going from 1865 to 1916, like that's still a little bit of a gap. So I don't, I don't know. I mean, it could have been that delayed, but that was the Great Migration North. And it might have been happening because what was happening in the South for the people who didn't leave the South once they was like, oh, bye, um, was sharecropping. They literally just put them right back into slavery. But now it's called debt. Mm-hmm. Debt, another thing that a lot of people deal with. We'll talk about it some more later. But yeah, so sharecropping was... All right, fuck. I got this farm. I got this crop. I need somebody to tend to it. Right. Skills, like we were saying before. Uh, Like, you already got the skills. I can already put you up, so why don't you just stay here, and I'll pay you. Mm Mm-hmm. Trick was, oh, but now I'm going to charge you for the seed. I'm going to charge you for the plow. I'm going to charge you for the mule. I'm going to charge you for the little cabin you stay in. Things that were never charged to anybody else who was working uh, such jobs, who weren't slaves, obviously. 
and you got to pay me back from what I give you. So it turns out they got nothing. And that shit was generational. Mm-hmm. I think the only way out that I was reading was like through school. So that's why there was this great debate um, between the philosophies of education, uh, education versus, versus skills. Uh, yeah. Mm, uh, trade skills. Mm-hmm. Because at the time. And that's uh, uh, W.E.B. Du Bois. Who was and that? Was he? Booker T. Washington I mean, was at Hanson. Oh, but we have a dorm oh, called. Sorry, yeah, yeah. Before. We have a dorm called yeah. Du Bois. Booker T. Washington, who was talking about trade more. Trade skills right. was uh, an alum of Hampton, yeah. And W. E. Du Bois was more so looking. Didn't at he go to Harvard? Who? Du Bois. Uh, I believe so. Du Bois. Du Bois. Du Bois. That boy. <laughs> <laughs> um. Shout out to our ancestors. Not just. <laughs> yeah. I just don't know how to say your name. You know it's French. We speak English. <laughs> um. Uh, I believe you do. Right. Like I feel like that's what. Yep. Harvard. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So, uh, so it was just the two different perspectives of looking at it, mm-hmm. but I definitely saw the argument of education, you know, mm-hmm. but I'm now seeing like, there's just always, again, with balance. balance, exactly. Um, but I remember when I was, uh, at Hampton, I was very much in disagreement with Booker T when we was learning about mm-hmm. some of his philosophies. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck? No, we need education. We need education. We need education. Mm-hmm. But I'm looking at it a lot more now, especially as we go into the new job market and everything else like that. But also to build our own. Right. It's necessary. You know? Like we need, to, we can't outsource for everything. Yeah. Everybody has a specific skill and job and talent to them. Like we shouldn't be diminishing it yeah that's the other thing i feel like there's and that's such a fucking western way of looking at shit as like certain jobs as being holy shit um just like lesser than and looking down on them like service jobs waitresses bartenders etc yo so the connection that i just made (laughs) was so i went to a decolonizing the psyche workshop And the facilitator was talking about how with white supremacy, that superiority complex went into men and women too. Mm -hmm. But men was associated with the mind, with logic. Women was associated Mm -hmm. with body. And I was thinking in relation to education versus trade skills, that's literally the mind versus the body. And they're saying, Mm -hmm. white people are saying that the mind is superior to Mm -hmm. the body. And all they had of us, the stereotype of us was we were all manual labor. Yeah, we didn't yeah. have the mind. We showed them. <laughs> but that's why it was so, um, and that's why I felt, I think I fell into the trap of only uh, looking yeah, at it. Yeah. One is, well, so now if, we value our bodies as well. But that's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. is like, even when you set up a system like that, even as you move up the ranks, you're learning within that system. So you're even having the mindset of thinking like, education is more mm-hmm. and therefore trade is lesser than. So then you start looking at your fellow brothers and sisters a little bit lesser yeah, than because yeah. they are only in trade, mm-hmm. you know? So you've come up in the ranks of the system, yet you're still a victim to it and victimizing your own mm-hmm. because you can't look at it in a different way. So that, that was the struggle for a lot of time between black people. It's still a struggle, you know? Yeah. We get this whole thing about being like, are you really black if you're of a certain status, like mm-hmm. economically? And you're not but also educationally. Exactly, like, educationally, like they, they think you're on a pedestal, and then there's people still, who are education. You talk oh. white, 
Why you like smart is for white people? The right. You and, don't and know then, shit about your ancestors. On the, on the flip side, there's the other people who are hella educated who just look who down. Do, who look down? So it's like so yeah, we still got that to this day, to this day. Exactly. It's a it's a struggle. So, but anyway, so so during that time. They were in the South. Sharecropping was happening, but also KKK came out in full force. Lynching started increasing by the tuh. Our people was going through it, and they was like, I've had enough shit going to the North. So they went up to the North, went up to all the factories and stuff, Mm -hmm. and then they was dealing with segregation from 1916 to 1940, pretty much. And then some of them was like, okay, I'm out. Let's go to the Midwest and the West Coast, where it was the new frontier. Right. But, um, so that's where you hear about, like, black cowboys and, like, black farmers or black ranchers and stuff. And um, that was from 1940 to 1970, and it was after the Great Depression. It brought at least 5 million people, including many townspeople and urban skills, to the North, Midwest, and West. Hmm. Um. So I think for Oakland, I'm not sure if it was like related to the, um, it could have also been related to Hurricane Katrina, but there's a lot of people from Louisiana yeah. and Texas in Oakland. No, it was um, from the uh, Great Migration. The second one, the Great yeah. Migration, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, but yeah, you're right. The <laughs> Hurricane Katrina was like, like another one yeah. because of mm-hmm. what happened. A lot of people just migrated up north. Yeah, I feel it. Man, again, a lot of cycles repeating. Mm-hmm. <sighs> and again, from oh, never mind. This will be too much. I'm going. I'm going real deep. I'm thinking about economic factors and like mm-hmm. capitalism mm-hmm. and how oil companies did all this shit that created. Mm-hmm. You know, we was going <laughs> through it. Uh, so that goes back to our question: What does it mean to be free? Right, because that's the real big question. Um, back then, there was this perception of being free. But at the same time, you had to think about the cost of freedom. Like, mm-hmm. like what are the consequences of being free in a society where you've never had anything? Mm-hmm. You don't know your place. Mm-hmm. You know, your place was always a slave. Less than. Not even human. You know? It's very scary. Yeah. Exciting. Because you have the opportunity to be... This is the first time where, in as a society, everyone has agreed you have the opportunity. Mm-hmm. Well, well they're going to give it to it. Yeah, right, right. right. <laughs> Whether they agree or not. <laughs> so that moves into the next generation of the civil rights movement. Mm-hmm. When we was like, all right, damn. <laughs> like, okay. Obviously, we're going to ha- have to be specific because y'all niggas ain't get it. <laughs> we're separate and unequal. And uh, we think that in order to be equal, we need to integrate. Mm-hmm. So give us that, please. No more segregation. Pretty much. Because we already know segregation wasn't going to work in terms of actual equality. Mm-hmm. Come on now. No. <laughs> I can't believe that was an argument back then. Well, they weren't aware of the evil <sighs> that existed. In the systemic oppression that it was, they weren't aware. Hmm. But, um, so there was the civil rights movement. So after the civil rights movement, the people that were, so civil rights movement was mainly young adults, college age students. That's who was mainly like from that. So like 18 to like forties 
that was like the large demographic of people that were active in the civil rights movement. Like a lot of the leaders, Dr. King, Malcolm X, Megar Evers, like a lot of them were in their thirties, you know? So yeah, it was young people. So the generation after that would have been the baby boomers, which is where my parents' generation falls. So my parents were born in 56. Uh, Dr. King was assassinated when my dad was 11 and he didn't even know who he was. At the time? At the time. They weren't teaching that shit. DC schools were segregated. Not like you can't come here. It was like geographically, you know? I mean like how it is now. Exactly. (laughs) What's it mean to be free? Um... So, yeah, they didn't teach about it in schools because, of course, it's a Eurocentric, a tight fucking Eurocentric perspective. Like, shit. Not even talking about what's going on outside. But anyways, but remember, TV was just starting at this time. Like, they didn't have uh, lots of access to information like we do now. Um, The internet is the... Yeah. Great savior. Yeah. (laughs) But, um... So, yeah, so now it's the baby boomers. So they grew up with, like, their parents just getting their civil rights, okay? So then that was the, okay, now we're good. We got our freedom. Mm -hmm. We're not enslaved no more. We got our civil rights. Now we're good. Don't rock the boat. So for our... For the baby boomer generation, you were saying that this type of freedom after the Civil Rights Act was signed, Voting Rights Act was signed, was symbolic. What did you mean in that it was symbolic freedom then? Well, it's kind of like looking at things from the lens of you've made an advancement um, in this one area, but you haven't necessarily uh, looked at the greater population of black people and looking at them and, and their freedom and what it actually means um, so after the civil rights era came about there was this I think what I call generational stagnation when it comes to mm. the way that people think mm. because they were like okay we got it mm-hmm. and it's like shut up like before things go bad or like mm-hmm. you know because of at the time the pushback the assassinations mm-hmm. just talking about mm-hmm. Uh, and KKK the, was having yeah, yeah. a good old time back then. With this. It's just like, so they were intimidated by all that stuff. So when they actually did get um, these new rights, it seemed like asking for anything more was like... Too much. Too much. They're like, yo, we're actually pretty good. Just calm down. Mm-hmm. But the disparity, again, still existed. Mm-hmm. So those who had were like, yes, we got it. Mm-hmm. We're cool. We're integrated. I got some cool white friends here and there. Shut the fuck up. I got a little <laughs> bit of money. Right, I got a little money in my, my pocket and everything else like that, but you're not looking at the greater community. So there's still people in the hoods, like mm-hmm. mass groups of people and projects mm-hmm. and all this other stuff mm-hmm. going through it mm-hmm. as the years went by. Like Now, suffering. mind you, so I think this is where the black middle class started growing. Right, this is exactly when it started Exactly, because so that, that's when blacks started moving to suburbia yeah. and we're not attached to the cities no more. We think we white and shit. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> that's that's what that was going on. <laughs> that's what we were trying to attain that white picket fence and some two point five kids bullshit. Right, but that was the dream mm-hmm. again. Like that, you felt like the that American was dream was a white one. That's you know that's 
Again, I call going, him like I see him. Going back to the same concept, it's like once you get into a society, you're, even your idea of success now is dependent on what society's view of success is. So if you were a slave and you didn't know what the hell success was, you're thinking like, oh, I want to be like Massa. Mm-hmm. I want the big house. Master seemed the guy the nice. He ain't struggling. You know? And then you even look at your relationships like that. I want to be able to dominate. You know? So it's just bad. So that was going on then. And I feel like it stopped them from asking for more. And that's why I feel like there was a period of, after these assassinations, this intimidation, there was a period of just like, oh, calm. Like nothing going on. Mm-hmm. Not wanting to rock mm-hmm. the boat. Mm-hmm. You know? Fast forward, we get so, Barack Obama. Yes. That was another one. That one, I definitely feel like, even more so relates to what I was saying before when it's coming coming to like like a false sense of freedom. Of freedom mm-hmm. You know, because Obama represented the <laughs> idea right? of like, us making it. Exactly. Like, we can be in this American dream. It can look like us. Right. He had Michelle. The big he house. had the two kids, the fucking big house that we fucking built, you man. You see what I mean? Like, the symbolism of that was like, you gotta huge. think about that for, for people who grew up in that uh, generation. I was crying. I was, I was crying. And I was, I was in a high, uh, high school. 17 or something. Yeah. yeah. Shit, man. So you gotta think about it. Like, the symbolism for somebody who went through all of those things, the assassinations, all that, and then to see a black man in the president, mm-hmm. in, the, in the White House. Like, yeah. you know, just feel was, that. And, and that's why. Even though we have our issues with Obama politically, oh, like his representation <laughs> right. was so huge was for great. our people. It was we amazing. definitely needed it. Yes, like the figure of a black man being in that position, um, holding it with honor when it comes to presentation. Again, exactly, and was professionalism. Great. Right, like polished dog. Mm-hmm. Great policies. When we go get to that some other episode, but like, <laughs> yeah. But again. The idea of it was cool. So and that representation went, gave others permission to also attain that, to also exactly. believe in ourselves that we could get that. Right. But the problem was... Mm-hmm. <laughs> but before we talk about those problems, um, I want to say mm-hmm. that that period of calm that you were talking about, mm-hmm. where it's baby boomers are like, don't rock the boat. I think stuff started changing during um, crack epidemic and also when mass incarceration went to the three strikes uh, bill came out mm-hmm. that's when we started really getting especially the people in urban areas really started getting uncomfortable and they was like i can't do it no more that's true i forgot where i was at <laughs> i don't know what happened to get us out because it maybe people stopped doing crack or maybe all the crack Addicts were in jail. I don't know, but something because the '90s, like when we were growing up, it didn't seem that rocky. Like it did seem. I know there was a lot going on, and maybe I just wasn't aware. Maybe that's what was happening. <laughs> well, all right. So, because I'm like, we had hella media representation. So when I say when I say like uh, the calm, I meant like political calm. Oh, gotcha. You know what I mean? Like we weren't rocking the political boat, mm-hmm. going for legislation to fix this or that. You know. But but that's what I'm saying. Do you remember stuff specifically relating to black people politically after Clinton? Um. Because what was that? Bush. No. Not really. That's what I'm saying. Like we weren't getting involved. Like it wasn't. Yeah, that's that. That's the calm. Yeah, that's what I meant. Like politically, mm. it was the calm. Gotcha. But like 
But that, but that's what I'm saying. We would get, we got to a calm until that era, and then we was mad. But I don't think any political thing changed. Like still mass incarceration. It was, it was, like we got bought into it again. Like a lot of policymakers, and they admit to it now. Like a lot of mm-hmm. black policymakers voted for the crime bill. Bernie Sanders voted for the crime bill. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he had foresight. He warned against it. But even some of the like was black, fighting against it. Make sure that's clear. Right, he was fighting against it he was because set, of its impact on black people. And, and it's a whole trick about putting shit in different bills so that you have to vote. Oh, for they thing. need to and see. This is where you don't accept the status quo. They need to fucking get rid of the process of their bill. bills. Exactly. Boom. We don't have one bill with five different other side groups, and it's like, well, fuck. I'm not against. Why, why does like, this agriculture bill have anything to do with the crime bill? What the fuck the farmers got to do with this? Exactly. Oh, you just want to sneak this in so you can s- s- um, add some money on? So it's like, like fuck, fuck that. Stop I it. mean, that, like, damn. And, but that, hot, damn. Like, that's the bullshit. It's they not a win win. You put people in a fucking hot spot. So fuck that process. Let's rewrite the process, start a new one, and say, this bill is for this issue. I don't give a fuck how long it takes. Vote on this. If you want to say no, let this should be on the record. Say this, you say no. Don't try to sneak in all this other extra bullshit. Exactly. <sighs> so, <laughs> what about, ooh, do you want to take a pause real quick? Oh, yes. All right, so we're going to do what we did last time, where we take a pause, and we'll be right back. Half an hour, <laughs> let our sponsors roll. Future sponsors. Future, yes. Roll. Speaking into existence. <laughs> we'll be right back, y'all. <laughs> So, tell me about the black family not being free. Right. So, we have, you know, this period from the civil rights movement to now. Mm -hmm. But during that time, I mean, let's be real. Black family been fucked up since slavery. Yeah. So. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. So, because our families were separated, exactly. So, when you talk about freedom, uh, <laughs> yeah, and we so, um, yeah, tell us about how specifically the black family wasn't free, still ain't free, right? So, it goes back to this concept because of slavery, there's always been this have or have not mentality mm-hmm. amongst black people. You know, mm. amongst everyone in this country, obviously, because mm-hmm. that's just capitalism, but especially amongst and black individualistic people. white people. Anyways, <laughs> yes, 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 all that, yes. <laughs> but um, Call him like a soup, <laughs> choop, choop, choop. but um, well, yeah, amongst uh, our people, like we've always had that disdain on either side of it and, and I think because I've seen like a taste of both I, I, I've i seen it in my personal life but I definitely see this co- coming through like a historical perspective mm-hmm. alright so let's talk about the era uh, the calming era let's talk about that okay. right, so, so after the civil rights movement alright so after the civil rights movement there are like you are saying there were those who were allowed in to the club mm-hmm. of like the middle class. Mm-hmm. We're talking about middle class black folk mm-hmm. who even if they were like people who were segregated, they were um they were let into some unions. They had some good jobs. It's probably like when Baldwin Hills started happening. In uh PG County, Maryland, the most affluent mm. black community in the nation. You gotta think about it. like some of these jobs 
They were working their government jobs. They were working government jobs, and they were able to send their children to good schools, which mm-hmm. then created, like, you know, this mm-hmm. is the balance mm-hmm. that creates the generational wealth. And you got to think about, at this time, again, the universities were pretty top-notch, and they were affordable. And we were they also were way more affordable HBCs. than now. Yeah, but even, like, you look at Hampton, who can afford to go to Hampton now? I'm really... I'm in debt. <laughs> it's crazy. So back then, you could actually go to those schools, get an education, and then, going back to uh, what W.E.B. Du Bois was saying, like, that's your outlet to the access of this slice of America mm-hmm. that is successful, right? Mm-hmm. So your family can be sustainable in this way. So you had this little pocket. But this was, like, the problem. There weren't that many actual communities well, mind overall you, that were doing well. There were pockets so, that were separated, but So, again, PG County as a community, they have, like, five of the most affluent mm-hmm. um, black cities in America. So it's PG County, but there's, like, five cities in particular. Um, but then you have, like, Baldwin mm-hmm. Hills and, um, and some other communities. But it was different, though, because, like you said, we were getting... A piece of the pie. Mm-hmm. Booker T. Washington with trade schools was like build the pie. Mm. So it's like we got into their I'm world. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Um, build that pie. <laughs> <laughs> so like we got into their world. We're still running by their like right. rules. Exactly. And so that disparity is always going to be there, and that mm-hmm. disdain, that mm-hmm. part that I was talking about, mm-hmm. the thing that stops us from really coming together and just collaborating. Mm-hmm mixing the mind and the body mm-hmm. and those trades with the education mm-hmm. to build some something solid mm-hmm. that's always been that issue and that comes back to like the calm of of again being accepted into society uh when it's killer mike's argument like yeah. before before segregation mm-hmm. we had to rely on our yeah, own we that's all we had right we was with each other too so, so it was very much so although activists although um, we all might have been doing, we all might have been on this level and the white people were up here. We was but, on this level together. But yes, we were on this level together and we were rising mm-hmm, quickly. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about so we fast that they tried to tear bi- us down. They was bombing our shit. You know what it got, you gotta be doing for somebody to bomb your shit and you ain't doing no type of violence to them? <laughs> do you know how scared and insecure they got to do that? Come on. Right. So, it was happening all throughout history. But, again, the calming, the intimidation. We're going back to these patterns that keep happening over and over again. The assassinations. Learn your history. All this is a way to to calm you politically so you don't do any action that would gravitate, um, would lift up, rather, Mm -hmm. everyone in the community. Mm -hmm. So, those those, we had those families, those pockets that are doing well. Mm -hmm. Lens and middle class, cool, everything sweet. Mm -hmm. My family good. My my son or daughter was the first to graduate from their college mm-hmm. in that generation. So we're oh, talking now about we those. got a legacy at college, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. So this is the legacies that we're talking mm-hmm. about. Yep, yep. These we are ain't had people. that in my family, right? But hey, so I'll be the first. Yeah, you're the first. You're the first. But on the other end, we got the we got the hood stories, though. We got the in the gutter stories. We mm-hmm. have those people who were working trade but got taken advantage of, like we were saying, mm-hmm. and never thought or never thought you know never even <laughs> they, yeah, they never thought to think about accessing other uh other other parts of their you know themselves because they didn't know that it was possible 
they were always seeing themselves as lower. Yes. Lower, yes. You know, I will say something that I just thought of um, during the late years of Dr. King, when he was doing speeches after mm-hmm. the Civil Rights Act, after the Voting Rights Act, he was talking about class and what right, was happening and what was happening in the uh, factories and the industrialization in those companies mm-hmm. that that urban black people were working at is exactly. they were unionizing with low white like right. lower white class right. right and they was like oh hell no that's when it happened <laughs> and that's when they killed dr king it's always been about that like the again the mentality we're specific, uh we're specifically talking about uh black people because obviously it's, it's so real <laughs> but yeah all throughout the country this is the dynamic that the this whole society has created the mm-hmm. upper the lower and fight and, 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 and let's let's be clear the upper is the rich right the we're not talking about the one percent we ain't talking about nothing else but them dollars okay otherwise cis straight white christian men but the one percent nevertheless <laughs> and then everyone who enables them because they're trying to get to that status exactly it's like those are people throughout history who are compliant they're mm-hmm. just like man i'm trying to get there so whatever it takes to get mm-hmm. there you know so yeah the gutter part i just wanted to describe that just to have i would also part. say for the ancestors who were chilling in the suburbs I get wanting to be stable for your kids mm-hmm. and not wanting to rock that boat for them. I, I do understand that. I'm fighting hard now to protect my kids because they don't they aren't here yet. Right. But I do understand just like, you know, I'm trying to focus on them. I get it too, but it's like both and yeah, <laughs> both and <it's> like <laughs> But what is your children growing up into? Right. So this is what I'm saying. So no matter what because of the nature of this system, it's mm-hmm. gonna catch up to you. Exactly. Even the white, like white people are realizing it now. <laughs> Opioid crisis. Oh, yeah, same shit. Anyways, but <laughs> ain't nobody fucking with you. What happened during the crack era though? What happened during the crack era though? What happened during the crack era though? Where's all that treatment? Oh. Anyways. You thought they didn't care about us? They don't care about any of us. Because who is it? The fucking 1%. They don't care. They don't give a flying. So they finally eight. catching up to that shit. Exactly. I hope to God, after y'all watch this episode, y'all catch up. <laughs> you know? Because it's throughout history, man. It's the same patterns over they and over. It don't got nothing to do with race, ethnicity, uh, religion, All sexuality. It don't got nothing to do with any of that shit. It got to do with money. Okay, so the sooner we forget all that other bullshit that they're trying to divide and conquer our Mm -hmm. ass on and they are doing a successful job for years now. Exactly. (laughs) Come on, y'all. We need to come together (laughs) no matter what. And 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 and, you know, the people who are of just that money status Mm -hmm. and they have, you know, the moral integrity that we're talking about. um, They're okay with getting the one percent out of power like bernie sanders right he's technically in the one percent exactly and you see what he's doing well what are his policies thank you yeah but that's what it's about like this is what we really need to actually be free versus the question of the whole podcast (laughs) you know because once everyone in the society isn't fighting amongst each other to get to this one status and everyone can create their own idea of what freedom is, then you're truly free. 
But if you're always trying to fight for the uh, the goal of what freedom is supposed to be within the society, and you're not defining for for yourself, and no, you don't have access to define it for yourself, that's the biggest part. Mm-hmm. Like you don't even have the possibility of it happening because you don't have the opportunities within your system. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. So how did this specifically touch the black family? So when the when there's a political calming or gap uh, or vacancy, there we go, political vacancy within the black community, it is terrible. And on that, the family? Oh, terrible on the family. Mm. Terrible on the family. And when I say political vacuum, that doesn't mean that like there's black people. Vacancy? Uh, vacancy. <laughs> I'm over here switching these words up. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, political vacancy in um, in politics. Uh, I'm talking about those advocating for black people because mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily have to be black people because mm-hmm. some of the Kennedys were yeah, already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, they, and they were always allies who were just riding. Bernie again is another good example. Mm-hmm. Um, but Receipts. Track record. Yeah. On it. Election's coming up soon. Debates. Ooh, on it. <laughs> but yeah, so I'm talking about those who aren't actively mm-hmm. fighting. Got you, We're got talking you. about Panther stuff. Got you. You know, when is that vacuum? It's terrible they because vacancy. They God, why do I keep saying that? It's okay. Anyways, so when there's that vacancy, uh, uh, there's no, and there's nobody actively fighting for us. They strip away things that they know because white people are very much politically active. They're always yeah. The so they they purposely the rich ones. So you gotta understand they are purposely stripping away stuff. Like they'll do things mm-hmm. to strip away uh, uh, health care. Because they know it disproportionately affect black people. They've actually had uh, quotes. I've got the the guy's name. He said this. He says, "You say you can't say stuff like nigger, nigger, nigger anymore. You have to say things like states' rights and all this other stuff. Cold words that the Republicans were using all this time. And that's how you can defund these things. And as you're defunding them, defunding them, it hurts blacks worse. That's the consequence of it. And that was the whole strategy. There was there was the whole political strategy among us." Systemic oppression. So as that's happening, some of the people who are in those other families are are, are benefiting and they're a little bit shielded from it. Mm-hmm. But those who didn't have any protections at all, like a safety net of a savings account or anything mm-hmm. else like that, like they they're still like trying to work yeah. their way up. Mm-hmm. It's like it disproportionately affects them. And then when you talk about other political stuff, it goes back into the nineties that calm mm-hmm. who who was there to really ride for us against the crime bill we had our own people voting for us mm-hmm. bernie was literally the one who had the strongest voice against I it know. And he was a white dude so that is what the political calm is when you refer to that so what was happening to the black family in that that's what i mean mass incarceration mm-hmm. political mm-hmm. Gotcha. you see what i mean gotcha. it doesn't so, seem like to, it's affecting to be us. specific taking the black man out, out of, of the black family bam just like that also with the crack academic. Boom. Just we like ain't that. buy that shit. They ain't. Drug war. Exactly. So I, all these things have consequences and they know, again, they could lock up their political opponents. We talked about this before with Nixon. Mm-hmm. You could lock up black people and what? White hippies because they knew they were smoking marijuana and mm-hmm. doing heroin. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now you have the black man out of the house. Now what do you do politically? Well, uh, politically, when it comes, what, who, who, do, what do we do politically or? White people. What did they do politically oh, okay. that hurt okay. us okay. <laughs> to the black family? Okay, so you... Black man is now out of the household. Right. Uh, you defund the schools. 
So now our kids aren't getting the education that they need. Right. And um, again, like the whole goal basically is to go to backtrack things to the way they were, or at least to make them as bad for black people as they can be, mm-hmm. uh, without it being necessarily slavery. So they're not going to call it segregation, but we're going to have zoning laws and we're going to have property taxes, property taxes. and so, testing you know, scores. You get it. You get it. And let's make sure their communities are in poverty. So that let's make sure they're poisoned by lead and we and, don't fund their and in, increase the um, poverty increases crime. And then let's, let's lock build, them up some more. Let's build them under um, fun uh, under like previously nuclear active fucking fun site, fun, fun site zones and shit like that, where they can get uh, lead and all types of uh, cancer causing diseases. Mm-hmm. You know, like environmental, like all these things that we're talking about. That because there was such a political gap, there was no one fighting actively against that. Mm-hmm. And there's if there's no one actively fighting against it, they you gotta be damn away sure. With murder. Exactly. <laughs> you gotta be damn you damn sure know that they are fighting. Because they're never off the job. They're mm-hmm. never out of power. Exactly. I also want to point out that to the black woman who was left in the household, oh, God. they mm. um uh Welfare was targeted towards black women. Mm-hmm. They would say that if you don't have a man in the house, you can get on welfare. I thought welfare had to do with you not being able to provide for your family. What did that have to do with having a man in the house? I had no clue. Even though statistically speaking, it's white people who are more on welfare than black people. But they know it hurts us more. So yeah. that's the game again. Because then we're going into generational poverty. And again, we're talking about this disparity piece. Like, they don't give a fuck. If, if they feel like they want to hurt a certain group, they're going to hurt a certain group. And if they feel like they can take advantage of a certain group, they're going to take advantage of a certain group. And eventually, it's going to catch up to your ass, whether you think you're part of that club or not. You're not really part of the club. So, I guess that brings us to the present. Right. Where Black Lives Matter erupted. Right. So, from the police brutality because and of, just even citizen brutality. Yeah, <laughs> seriously though, God, everybody getting fucked up again. Mm. Man, what are y'all gonna learn? History it's gonna happen. Repeats, to everybody. History repeats itself until we do something to actually resolve it. Like we've been putting band aids. I need you Word. to fix the fucking system. We have been saying Word. for generations that we cannot exist in the system that they built. Yes. We got to fucking destroy the system and rebuild, nigga. Like, the hell? Why are you still trying to fit in it? <laughs> they made it for us to fit in, okay? It was meant for them. Get it together. Get it together. Yeah. <sighs> Anyways. So, Black Lives Matter happened. And by that, I mean just protesting. Because, again, what political advocacy was happening? For our people. And that's where people, you know, when they talk about this generation versus civil rights movement, because they always compare, Mm. even though I don't think the civil rights movement should have been fighting for integration. I think they should have been fighting for equal resources. I think we were fine keeping it separate because we were more collective that way and less brainwashed. Jesus, integration, just assimilation increased exponentially once integration happened. The little bit of us that we had was gone. Mm. So anyways, they were comparing civil rights movement versus Black Lives Matter movement. And 
you know, the protesting is happening. They're shutting down bridges. They're shutting down malls. Actual, like, there was some loss in economic revenue um, because we were boycotting everything. There was some stores that took hits. Um, they want to blame it on something else, but it was that. But we weren't doing anything to fight for us, even though we had Obama. Please... The Black Lives Matter movement started with Obama administration. Right, and that, he wasn't doing anything. About he wasn't it. doing anything. So again, going back to that figure, Flint, Flint, Michigan happened during the Obama administration. Going back to that figure, he drank the fucking water, acting like it was cool. Yo, that shit. Yo, don't get me hot. <laughs> standing See, this Rock. This is what I'm talking about with the policies. Standing like, Rock happened during the Obama administration. When Holy I say shit, history man. was literally fucking repeating itself, and nobody was doing a goddamn thing politically about Holy it. Shit. And then Trump won. And you wonder why. So then our generation, the millennials, was like, the fuck? I can't take it no more. We are changing the fucking system. Right. That Shout out to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez from the Bronx, Yo. 28, yes. went in there, doing the damn thing, constantly be, be fucking Joe them Crowley's up. little ass like, bing. Exactly. Fuck out of here. Corrupt Ain't nobody ass. got time Corrupt with your bullshit. Ass. That's I'm why you're going to So many millennials run this year and this coming year. Ooh. Yes. More justice Democrats coming at you. Exactly. Don't nobody Uncorrupted. got time for this bullshit. Where we are realizing who the enemy is. That dollar. Yeah. We know. The jig is up. So that goes into what freedom is. Mm. O said, freedom is awareness. Yeah. So tell us what you mean by that. Well, it, going back to uh, the history lesson of this podcast, man, going back to what we've been talking about. Juneteenth is a celebration of us really being aware of our freedom at that time. That's true. But there's a deeper awareness that we had to understand mm -hmm. if we wanted to succeed within this new society. Mm -hmm. So what every generation needs to do is rediscover what freedom is for them in that time period. You always improve. Exactly. You, you don't ever stop. stay stagnant. So freedom <laughs> isn't a destination necessarily. It's you an ongoing I mean? journey. It's an ongoing journey. And I feel like because there was those gaps, like, you know, those... I was about to say that. Political vacancies? Vacancies. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. I was like, please save me. Don't let me say it again. <laughs> um, but yeah, but because of that, there were those who stopped and thought like, okay, we're done. We've got our freedom. But freedom doesn't stop. Mm -mm. Freedom is ongoing. Those who want to take away your freedom are never going to stop fighting. They're going to always want to take away your rights. They're going to always want to take away your freedom no matter what. So you always have to have your foot in the game. There is no sitting out yeah. ever. Activism is the rent I pay for living on this planet. Alice Walker. Boom. So that's what freedom really is. And if you can keep that in your mind, you'll always be free because you'll always be fighting for freedom or someone else's freedom because allowing someone else to be free allows you to be freer. Like, think about all these white people. And this is why some people, white people actually understood it, that were just idiotic, wasting all of, just by oppressing us, subjected to themselves 
to not learning about our culture. Mm-hmm. So and now the they're coming back. The, exactly. And seriously seeing the greatness in us. That everyone saw it later on. You know, and uh, clearly they're seeing it now a lot more. Oh, yeah. Because when we going through shit, the period after is art. <laughs> oh, yeah, always. Art explosion. Always. We're but, like, I need to process this shit. But all that was denied, though. Like, they never got access to that. From our medicines mm-hmm. to our... Or the, just the knowledge that we created that shit. The knowledge of all the things that we've created. Our craftsmanship, our artistry, all that stuff was put into a box and suppressed mm-hmm. for generations. But guess what, baby? The internet saved us. Like access to our information boom, boom. on the fingertips. Yeah. So now the jig is up, and we know these things. Mm-hmm. And now we're fighting for freedom for all people. Mm-hmm. Because again, if you fight for the freedom of someone else, it allows you access to see and learn and actually experience them in their fullest form. And that becomes, it makes you better. It just makes you a better person. And then I was having a conversation with a black woman who's from SoCal Mm -hmm. who despised Mexicans. Mm. And when I moved out here, I could see why. Like, I could see the context of the tension between Mexicans and blacks. Mm. I could see the anti-blackness that existed within Mexicans. And I, I could see the tensions. But I knew the context. I'm like, they only think that because they're brainwashed. Like, Mexicans in Mexico, one, you're by the equator. You're motherfucking black, okay? Two, slavery went to you too, okay? Three, (laughs) like, y'all literally have the white in the race because you want to get closer to white people. Like, y'all got some shit that nobody wants to talk about. I'm like, were you not there in history class? Like, shit. But anyways. But the internet, probably where you're uh, listening or watching this, is waking people up. And that's Mm -hmm. the whole point. So share this. But but my point was, I don't need to put them down for what? Exactly. Like, I want them to be free. I want us to be free. And both. And also, why? I don't care. Yes, be free. Get your rights, okay? That doesn't stop me from getting mine. That doesn't, like, take away from me at all. Because I'm not stopping for mine, so... That's the thing, and that's the thing that people really don't get. Like, okay, so let's take the reparations argument, right? Yeah. The reason why people is so, this country, the system in general, Mm -hmm. those in charge, do not want us to have that conversation about reparations is because if we actually did... They did some fucked up shit. But not only that, (laughs) if if they actually had to pay, because first of all, if you make the argument, there's almost no way that you can't say like, oh shit, yeah, we do owe y'all something. So that's number one. It's legitimate. Mm -hmm. Like, we won't even go into it. It's legitimate. So if it's legitimate and it's presented to the country and then people actually make the decision to pay reparations, what does that mean? You see how if we get it, other people can be like, well, hold on. Y'all did that to us. So we want some of that so we can be more free. Mm-hmm. So you see how it's a domino effect? And that's what they don't want. The mm-hmm. distribution of power and healing. Because they did some fucked up shit. Right, the distribution of power To a lot healing. of different people across the fucking world. This is what I'm saying. But that's that's the problem. If we all argue about like, oh, y'all don't deserve nothing or we don't deserve this. So I can get me and mine. So I can get mine. You will never get yours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And then what do you think? You, you think you're not going to have allies with that? If we all got ours, right, and we're good, you think you're not, we're, gonna, we're, not gonna, we're just going to be like, oh, okay, well then, fuck it. Nobody else gets none. No. Because if you learn the lesson. First of all, the lesson is 
we live in abundance. Exactly. What are you dealing with the scarcity bullshit? Exactly. Like we live in abundance. America, the United States of America is the richest economy in the fucking world. We actually looked it up. Look up America's <laughs> number one episode where we talk about where right. America is number one in the fucking world. Okay. But yeah. In the history of the world. Like this is the richest nation that's ever existed. But you know why we don't see it? Because the fucking 1% has it all. Yep. Shit. Learn something, people. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, that's that's my definition of freedom, man. Like, I feel like if, if people can really get that, freedom is a verb, though. Freedom, you gotta go, you gotta run towards it. Like, I gotta be free all the time. It's the action. Dog. And again, this is why I think my ancestors were the runaway slaves because I got that spirit in me. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. My parents said, I don't know where you got it from. I was like, me either. Shit. <laughs> It, it, they, they be guiding me. They be guiding. Thank you, ancestors. All right. So I wanted to say, I was going to say something before this. I don't really know what. Hmm. That's all I have. Um, <laughs> be free, y'all. <laughs> be free. Fight. But I wanted to talk about the psychological chains of slavery. And it's interesting because I wrote an op-ed for my school newspaper, the white school that I went to, yeah, was definitely having their ancestors guide me, um, in sophomore year of high school. And I was talking about the psychological trauma that we experienced during slavery and every year after. Um, and it's like, and that goes into the conversation of what reparations actually are. Because our generation now is like money, 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 money. Mm. But I need you to realize that that's not what we need. Like, yeah, that could be helpful. But we need healing. And systemic healing. And it's like, because we are traumatized, if we're talking about the whole black America community, we just get some money, that don't mean we gonna put it to where we need to put it. That means very likely we won't exactly so we just gonna be, be in the tribe. same we're gonna be in the same so, fucking generation like two generations so later going back to learning history what would happen to those sharecroppers those ones those, those they, ones the debt exactly so if we're just getting something to give it right back is that actually succeeding? changing the system so this is why history is important that's why you gotta learn from your history and make different choices. Right. So reparations is just money wouldn't mean very much. You gotta think about the society you're living in. Mm -hmm. Is that really the most necessary? Is that necessarily the most advantageous thing to spend our political capital on? Mm -hmm. Is on making sure that we get a whole bunch of money, or is it on building infrastructure for the next generation? Building systems to ensure the future. Right. Now, sure. That, and we could do both. Yeah, you can get a little bit of money and a little well, bit again, of resources. Once the thing, once it's presented, and that's why like this bill is so important. Like HR is forty, I believe. Mm. I'm not sure which one it is, but either way, once it's presented and the study is done, <laughs> it's gonna be a wrap. Like how much money they're gonna actually show and what happened, the mm -hmm. atrocities of slavery and how we were taken advantage of just, economically. For centuries, centuries of trauma. It's you're you're gonna oppression. see just how much we're owed, exactly. and it's gonna be so undeniable. And and this is where, this is where our ancestors during the civil rights movement had it wrong, like they were asking for our freedom, 
we don't ask we demand we go and by demand this. we infiltrate yeah that's so that's where we need to find our political power our political voices and be representatives for the people in our community that's where yeah, that never business. stop fighting politically for our freedom there because there is always room to heal and grow okay so that being said what would give us that freedom so first off living wages then affordable housing mm -hmm. then medicare for all easy one medicare for all specifically relating to mental health services for sure because again we have been traumatized for centuries the individual is traumatized. The family is traumatized. The community is traumatized. We need some healing. We need some healing for some black therapists. Okay. So we definitely need Medicare for all. Right. We also need better school systems. And by better, I mean actually focusing on child development, biopsychosocial, emotional, having outdoor play, Afrocentric education, catering to different learning styles, not uh, organizing grade by age, but actually by performance level. Like so many different things that we should be looking at as far as education that we don't do. I don't understand why, but again, I may have to be that political power. Fuck. <laughs> But if it ain't done, somebody got to do it. So, yeah. Because why the fuck would I stay still when my people are still suffering? And that goes into collectivism versus individualism. Oh, I want to point out that eliminating the racial disparities and the social disparities and the economic disparities is all a part of the policy platform of Bernie Sanders. Plug. Get this man in office, though. Exactly. For real. Now, I will say Elizabeth, Elizabeth Warren is doing some things, too. But she be flaky on Medicare for all, and I'm like, yo. I just don't. I can't fuck with Like, you. what is she doing that Bernie is not type of thing? Like, Bernie has a longer track record. I've, like, I, I've known of Elizabeth Warren since, um, I think, 2016 election, just because she was getting out as far as her voice and uh, in politics and stuff. Mm -hmm. But, um... But yeah, I'm like, he has a longer track record, so I can trust that he's going to implement the things he's that he's been saying. he's a fighter, and that's the thing. Exactly. Kinda, the fact that you over here, like, maybe in on Medicare mm -hmm. for All because you, I don't, I don't know what your reasons are, actually, so I can't even say. But whatever your reasons are, like, I, I, need, I don't need somebody who's going to semi-fight. I need somebody who's really going to be in there to fight. And be like, all right, let's fuck the system up. No, like, Fuck I'm taking on all these companies. Like, Bernie said, he says, I know who my enemies are. I know they hate me. Let's go. I got a million riding me. What's up? So that's the lead I kind of want. Like, he knows that he's not acting like he the pharmaceutical companies. Ain't going to come for his companies. ass. He know. He's like, I got it. It's Let's the go. way I'm going to go. I got, I'm going to go people. out swinging. I got the people. Yeah, and it's, it's old age. He got the old, I, I don't give a fuck. I'm about to tap out energy, dog. <laughs> tap out. I'm with that. Like, if I'm going to go out too, like, hell Go yeah. out swinging, baby. And yes, I got a million people. That means I'm inspiring. That means people believe in me. Right. That means if they take me out, they got more of me. 
real shit. So, <laughs> burning gang. Give give us free. <laughs> nah. Take your free, motherfucker. Exactly, and you take it by political revolution. There you go. And that's a hell of a way to celebrate our Juneteenth. Goddamn right. So find your freedom and fight for it. Yes. Because they ain't going to give it to you. At all. They're actively looking to take it away as we're speaking. Mm-hmm. So if you ain't actively fighting for it, <laughs> you already lose. Get off your ass and stop complaining. Do something about it. Again, activism is the rent I pay for living on this planet. Alice Walker. And if that's all. I think we could. Thank you so much for listening to It's So Real with your girl Rocky. And yeah, boy. Oh. You have a beautiful Sunday. Take care of you. We out. Peace. And love. Thank you.